You know, in old Westerns, there's this rule that the good guys, they always wear white. And today we have, you know, white hackers and black hat hackers. You know, white hat hackers are the quote unquote good guys. And black hat hackers are the quote unquote bad guys. And you're probably familiar with this, right? So, okay. Well, the white hat folks are there to help you out, right? Because they're the good guys. They're there to protect you from the evils of the world. You know, they protect you from evil chemicals and junk food, cigarettes, all kinds of horrible things, you know. And the white hats are here to protect you from all those evils, right? That's what they're supposed to be here to do. Because, you know, we fear early death. We fear disease. We don't want to get sick. So anything we can do to prevent these things is good, right? And people who are helping us avoid these things must be good, right? Let's talk about that. So let's talk about white hat bias and fear and how white hat bias is a cognitive bias and how these merchants of fear can sway us in ways we never really thought about. So I'm Dr. Lyle Burgoon from Raptor Media. This is Critical Science. So I didn't come up with the term white hat bias. That's not my term. Uh, David Allison actually is the one who first coined the term as far as I'm aware. Uh, David Allison, like me, is a scientist. He's a statistician as well who saw something interesting in the science. Like me, uh, David Allison knows that uh, there's larger, better controlled studies out there that showed no effect. Whereas there are also smaller, more poorly done studies that showed large treatment effects. And this is the same false positive thing that I keep talking about on my blog, toxictruthblog.com, here on the podcast. And people who are out there saying the various products are making you sick or killing you, you know, they kept citing these really poorly done studies that were really small. And, you know, someone will likely say, but, you know, David Allison and you are both funded by industry. You guys can't be, can't be good people. Uh, I actually hear that a lot. And it's true that we are both funded by industry. We both accept money from industry. That is absolutely true. Uh, we also both accept money from the government as well. What matters, though, isn't where our money comes from. What matters is the science. Now, wait one second, right? That's what you're thinking. You're thinking, wait, 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 wait. The science matters more than who pays you for your work. Is that true? Well, it is. So, you see, it, I mean... Anyone can do really lousy science and be funded by government grants. We see this all the time. Tons and tons and tons of studies are funded by the National Institutes of Health, yet they're extremely small studies. They have very small numbers of subjects. Most of them are likely to be false positive studies, and these people continue to get government grants. You can also be funded by industry and do really lousy science, too. There's nothing saying that industry only funds people who do good science. But the opposite is also true in both cases. The government does fund really good scientists. Industry also funds really good scientists. So judging someone in their science based on who funded them is actually a logical fallacy. It's, it's a type of what we call a genetic fallacy. Because what you're doing is you're saying that people within this particular group are doing bad stuff. 
Again, that's a genetic fallacy. It isn't inherently true that all industry science is good or bad, and it is also not inherently true that all government-funded academic science is good or bad. To judge the science, you actually have to, wait for it, judge the science. Not who paid for it. You have to actually look into the studies. You have to dig deep. You need to figure out, you know, what is the sample sizes? You need to figure out, are they analyzing the data properly? There's a lot of things you need to look at. You can't just look at the end of the paper and say, oh, this is funded by industry, so it's bad. Oh, this is funded by the government, so it's good. Oh, these people are academic scientists, so they have no, they have no uh, conflicts of interest. The conflicts of interest don't matter a whole heck of a lot. What matters is, is the science good? Because at the end of the day, if you're saying that industry people always do bad science, then what you're really saying is industry people are doing unethical work and their stuff shouldn't be published at all. And that's just not true, right? We can look at the science and we can figure this out. So back to the idea of white hat bias. We tend to look favorably upon those who want to protect us, right? We tend to want to believe them. I mean, what incentive do they have to mislead us? I'd argue in most cases, scientists aren't trying to mislead anyone. If they're doing bad science, it's because they don't know better. That's just how they were trained, unfortunately. In fact, many scientists don't understand that they're misleading anyone. They believe that their science is above board and that they believe their results are great. They don't understand that their studies are poorly analyzed. They don't understand that their studies don't have enough subjects. They simply weren't trained and neither were their mentors or their supervisors. And these scientists, they need to publish. Publishing work that bucks the current trend is hard and generally it won't get published. And as a university scientist, if you don't publish, you don't get more grant money, which means you won't get promoted, which means you probably aren't going to get tenure which means you'll probably lose your job and your identity. So there's lots of reasons for academic scientists to not buck the trend, which means there's a lot of incentive to stay the course, not rock the boat, continue to conform and buy into the confirmation bias of the funding panels. Because at the end of the day, academic science is funded mostly by the government where you have panels of scientists who decide whether or not you get money. And if you are bucking the trend, if you're saying that their hypotheses aren't right, guess what? You're probably not going to get money. The other thing is most scientists feel like they're helping people and that feels good. So I don't believe that most scientists are trying to be malicious do-gooders. They're trying to be helpful. They're not trying to be malicious. Now, some organizations are going to use fear and they're going to use the studies from these academics to help pad their bottom line. And some of these groups also give money to academic scientists. In my opinion, organizations like the Environmental Working Group, Friends of the Earth, and many, many others will exploit your fear to generate donations that will help them run their programs. They will cite these flawed studies or they will generate their own flawed studies to drive their narratives of fear and ultimately drive donations into their bank accounts. And fear is a very powerful motivator. We know this. Fear is a great way also to prevent people from thinking critically. Daniel Kahneman explores this in his book, Thinking Fast and Slow. Fast thinking is driven by emotions and heuristics. Fear is one of those very powerful emotions. 
And when we don't take the time to think slowly and deliberately about something, especially when fear is involved, we simply don't think about it much at all. Instead, we're relying upon reflexes. We're relying upon our fear to drive these very fast, quick decisions. And that's what these, I call the merchants of fear. That's what these merchants of fear want. They don't want you to think critically about the science. They don't want you to think critically about the choices you have to make. They want you to live in fear of chemicals and products so they can continue to see them as saviors. They want you to see them as saviors and to help drive donations into their coffers. And what I'm trying to do is to help you recognize these fear triggers, to help you understand when you're dealing with these merchants of fear, when you're dealing with the science. And it's not just in the science, but also in politics and your daily life. So you can stop the fear, you can slow down your thinking, and you can begin to think critically about the science, the messaging, the politics, what have you. I want you to be able to slow down your brain and to help you think critically. That's what this podcast is all about. That's why we go through these scientific studies. That's why we talk about these things to help you slow down your brain, think critically about the science, go behind that headline and say, wait a second, that's not right. Or yeah, they did get it right. But I want you to recognize these fear triggers, slow yourself down, slow down your brain and really think critically about what's going on. So to wrap this all up, uh, there's this thing called white hat bias. It's type cognitive bias, where we tend to believe those who appear to want to be helping us, including scientists and nonprofits that want our money to continue to help, you know, to help us. But not everyone who wears a white hat is a hero. We have to remember that everyone has an agenda. And I have one, certainly. I've laid that out for you several times. I want to help you identify your fear triggers. I want you to slow down your brain, and I want you to think critically about science. Others have a different agenda. They want to trigger your fears. They don't want you to think deeply or critically about the science, and they want you to give them money so they can continue to protect you from something that's probably not actually a threat to you or your family, so they can continue to trigger your fears about something new in a few months or a year. Again, I call these merchants of fear. So we need to be able to identify these fear triggers. We need to be able to identify these merchants of fear. And they're not just the groups that I named. They also include politicians. And we need to identify these fear triggers so that we can slow down our brains and focus on critical thinking and evaluation. That's the only way we're going to get out of this. And that's the only way we're going to be able to stop operating on fear when we're talking about our families, when we're talking about science, when we're talking about food, what have you. So that's it for today. Thanks for listening. If you're in the U.S., I'm recording right before Thanksgiving, so happy Thanksgiving. Go enjoy whatever you do, and I'll be back with a full stomach and an open mind. I'm Dr. Lyle Perdue. Thanks for coming along for the ride, everybody. This is Critical Science for After Media. So long.